Arcaporia. Welcome to Yeah But the Podcast. My name is Vivian Gabor, and today uh, is a very exciting day because I get to sit down with the uh, one, the only, Chicago's bodybuilder Barbie, Miss Toto. Hello. Hi, Gorge. How are you? Oh, you know, just flipping my hair and full beat, feeling great on this <laughs> on this day how are you <laughs> you know i am great except the springtime the pollen is like kicking my ass so oh my goodness it's like yeah i'm like going through it but otherwise on the <laughs> flip side i am feeling phenomenal and great <laughs> i know what you mean i've been i started walking again because the pandemic uh got to me real hard and i gained a whole lot of weight back and so I started walking with one of my best friends every day and we walked five miles today and the pollen was out in full force. And yeah, it's like, I literally can't <laughs> even have the windows open because yeah. I will just be like coughing and be in a mess. Oh yeah. And I'm one of those people that I always have my windows open because it gets real muggy inside in New York. I'm sure you feel the same in <gasps> Chicago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Except Chicago's weather is like so crazy because one day it will be 85 degrees the next day it will be snowing the next day it's yeah. like can you pick a season like I'm ready for summer like please stop playing with my emotions and my closet oh, yeah, and yeah. my immune system like I'm ready to go <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh so I mean let's just jump on into it because like why not let's just let's you know <laughs> you know because what else is there anymore if the pandemic has taught us one thing, it's to just go for it because you never know when you're going to be stuck inside by yourself for another year. <laughs> Honestly, correct. Like this past year has been such a wreck, but like looking back on it, I'm like, I couldn't have done all the things that I've done this year if that did not happen. Like, I'm not going to say it was a blessing because it definitely wasn't because people died <laughs> and everyone got sick and it was like a mess. Yeah. But I'm trying to be, I'm like 2021, I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to like see the silver lining and things. Like, yes, it was really, really terrible. But there are some good things that like could have come out of it for you. Oh, absolutely. Also, I'm, I'm having this weird problem uh, thinking of it as being May now. Um, yeah. I yeah. have no <laughs> clue how that happened. It feels like it was just January. Um <laughs> it feels like all of 2020 was one day like one mm -hmm. long day and then from january to now also feels like it was still one long day and i don't think i will get out of that mindset until like summer until i'm like laying on whatever chicago calls it a beach it's not really a beach it's like some <laughs> rocks with the lake and so i'm laying on the lake um it won't feel like summer like just looking back i'm like every single day felt so fast because you were just inside 
like mm-hmm. doing nothing. Uh, but now at least we're, it seems like we're kind of on the upswing for the most part. Like it seems oh, yeah. like people are starting to feel comfortable. Um, and like being more positive, that's something I've just really been looking forward to. Like people just like being happy again, which mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people have been happy <laughs> for the last, you know, year and a half and people still aren't happy, but happier we're looking for happier yes (laughs) yeah we'll take the relative happiness so in the spirit of positivity what did the pandemic do for you what 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 things were you able to accomplish because of having time at home so because i'm like really crazy and a hypochondriac i convinced myself i had covid because the weekend everything shut down I was at drag brunch and I was like, oh my God, I was touching all these dollars. Like I was around all these strangers. I have COVID, like that's it. (laughs) Like I literally have to have it. And I convinced myself that I had it. And I left Chicago and ended up moving in with my boyfriend because he was living in Pennsylvania at the time. And I was like, if I'm going to be anywhere, I would rather be, he's like, he works in the healthcare field. So I was like, okay, he's exposed to things. I probably have COVID in my head. Um, And then I ended up moving (laughs) in with him for six months um which i don't think we would have done it that soon um but now we live together in chicago so that's super cute um and i would say it allowed me to kind of reset what i was thinking as far as drag like i was in the mindset of like working as a full-time queen and just like making money so i could exist and like (laughs) you know pay my bills uh but i kind of lost track of like why i started doing drag anyway so i mm-hmm. think forcing me to stop and sit down and be like who is miss toto what is going on like why am i doing drag anyway it kind of helped me reevaluate why i was doing drag in the first place so now that i'm like reemerging back into the public it feels like i'm coming back like a brand new bitch like it's not the same miss toto mm-hmm. different mindset different looks like i'm just trying to like get back into why I started doing drag in the first place, you know? Yeah, I feel like the whole, like, pre-pandemic, whenever anyone needed time to do that, they'd be like, oh my god, I'm taking a break from drag, I just can't take it anymore, I just need to, like, figure myself out again. And then all of us just had an entire year to just, like, sit and be like, what is my drag gonna be now? (laughs) And it's, it's been so helpful. Like I sat down and was like, well, why did I start drag? Do I want to keep doing drag? Do I really want to perform? Like, do you, do you want to perform? I mean, you'll have to wait and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Do I really want to perform? My answer is no. (laughs) Well, I think, I think one of the exciting things for me about lockdown was being able to do digital drag, which, Let's let's be clear. I didn't want to. Oh, hello, loud music outside my window. Um, I didn't want to do digital drag numbers every week. Like I thought about doing a weekly show was not going to happen. Like getting me in drag once a month, plenty. But um, but the ability to really completely have full control over every little single detail and exactly what the audience was seeing at all times was this Virgo hearts idea of heaven, like. (laughs) No, I fully understand the idea because for me, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, I love digital drag, but more so because I can, I have so many ideas that are not for the stage Mm -hmm. and honey with a green screen, you could put yourself anywhere. (laughs) Like, and I like low key pressured my boyfriend into learning how to use Premiere. So Yes. It was like a mix of pressuring and then other people. I was having people edit my videos and they were just like not great. So mm-hmm. he was like, 
instead of this, I'm just going to learn how to do Premiere and I'm going to make your videos. And he got really good, really fast. Uh, so it was like nice to be able to like work on something together. And I, that was when I was still fully unemployed. So I was like, all I had to do was drag and I could yeah. like pump out these crazy numbers. And now I'm kind of like, what was I doing for the last year? And it was <laughs> spiraling and like making digital content for the internet. I mean, it, the, I feel like the our lives as performers have gotten so digitalized in the last year because it was all we could do that there was a point, I think in January or February, where I was like, I'm deleting every social media app. I don't want to do this. Like, get me away from these people. I don't want to be on Instagram. Like there was a good like two months where I barely posted anything on Instagram because I was just like, I'm tired of scrolling. I'm so tired of scrolling. Like people right. are more it's than- the doom scroll. Yeah. Yeah. And Or even just like sitting there like, typing in in the search bar on Instagram, like drag and then like scrolling through it and being like, how are these people productive? And I'm just sitting here on, <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> I think it's also because there are so many people that like, once again, use this as an opportunity to just like, well, you have nothing else to do. So like, why not get in makeup? And if you're in makeup, why not take pictures? Why not post them? I mean, it's, but then there's like that other layer that's like, okay, just because I took the picture, doesn't mean I have to post it because then sometimes you're over like oversaturating, the people don't wanna see it anymore, but that's all mental. Like I realized if anything, people are gonna take whatever you give them because mm -hmm. they like, especially because we've been forced online, like digital content is just easily sucked up and, and like absorbed because people oh, yeah. want it. It's like, it's especially because yeah, we're in America and like things are starting to open up slowly, but like the rest of the world is, a lot of places are still closed. So they're still, sitting in lockdown, scrolling through doom scrolling and like seeing just like not leaving their houses. So if you post it, someone will see it. And that's, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like a little, a little touch. I'm like, okay, even if, even if not everyone I want to sees it, you know, someone somewhere will enjoy this <laughs> and be happy. And that's good. Right. I was talking to a couple of friends in France and they're like, yeah, we're still in full lockdown. Like we can leave to go grocery shopping and that's it i'm like you guys were the first in lockdown and you're like the last still in lockdown i'm so sorry yep <laughs> yep um so how did you um i i i did do some scrolling through some articles um about you because there are articles about you which is always helpful um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally before every People probably don't think I do this, but before every every conversation I have on this podcast, I sit down and like Google my guest's name just to see what comes up. And oftentimes yes. not much happens. <laughs> but with you, it was like article, 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 article. I was like, ooh, and she has a website and she has like professional <laughs> queen. Um, but I'm wondering, I didn't see an exact answer to this question, which I'm sure is out there, but you know, I'm not the best Ask at finding it. things. Uh, where did drag come from for you? Where where did that start? So I actually have been like cross-dressing since I was a kid. Um, my like my first babysitter had a bunch of just like clothes, like a, like girl clothes, like dresses, pat, like little tiny, I don't know, I guess she had family members, but it was my uh, first babysitter and I would just play dress up all the time. And there are pictures of me and my mom like dancing around. I'm in like full gowns and like looking really cute in these rattled ass shake and go wigs. Um, but I didn't like get into drag and cause I kind of like lost that part of myself when I was growing up. Cause I was like, why was I playing dress up and this and that? 
Um, but then when I went to Miami, um, I started like going out into the queer scene and seeing drag queens and drag queens, not like I'd seen before. So these queens were bearded and hairy and just like so off the wall that I was like, okay, if these people can do drag, I can do drag. And these people are encouraging me to do drag. So that makes it okay. Um, and that's really where it started. I was just like, wow, if, if I can like find a spot in this like queer community, um, I guess it means it's for everybody. So that was like in 2015 in Miami, yes. Nice, I started in 2015 too. Um, I We're was old. also in an M town. <laughs> yeah, right. But my M town was Missoula, Montana. So nowhere near as exciting. <laughs> yes, I can understand why. <laughs> Um, no, I feel like so many drag queens, we kind of like, we all start doing that cross-dressing when we're kids. Like every single one of us, all us queers in general do that. And then there's like this moment where we find shame in it, whether it's, whether it's like parents giving it to us or the world giving it to us or just us finding it in general. And we, we stop. Cause I remember growing up I, my mom had this red velvet nightgown that I thought was the most beautiful thing. It was really the most 90s thing you could think of. And it probably was still beautiful. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) And I would just put it on. I would wait till my dad was gone. And so it was just me and my sister, my mom homeschooling at home. And I'd put on the nightgown and I'd like trundle around in my mom's like, at that point, too big for me, high heels and be like, look at me. I'm so cool. Yes. And then, and then my dad would come home and be like, why are you dressing up again? Don't you have homework? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Leave me alone. But I think that taps into like just the imagination of kids. Mm. Like a lot of time, it, it might not just be like cross-dressing, but like yeah. playing dress up in general. Like every book that I had, like, so there was a book that I had that was like, first grade picture what I want to be when I grow up and every year you like put in a picture of yourself and you like write what you want to be and like how the mm-hmm. year was and for like first through fifth grade it was either mother I wanted to be a mother <laughs> or I wanted to be a princess mm-hmm. and it did it and then one year it switched to I wanted to be a lawyer because I watched Legally Blonde so therefore I thought I was Elle Woods <laughs> like <laughs> all these things and I'm like why did I want to be a mother why did I want to be a princess and I'm like because those are those, those were like things I wanted to be I looked up to those were glamorous women Mm. that I was like trying to exemplify and and if that was my driving factor and I ended up following through and becoming a lawyer that would have been really cool uh but just like trying to not limit kids I think is really important like if your imagination's going there and you want to dress up who knows what that could lead into which Mm. I don't think anyone has I'm not gonna say anyone because that's very broad but like Playing dress up is not going to damage a kid's like mentality. If yeah. anything, it's going to open them and free free their minds and let them like explore whatever they're going through, you know? Oh, yeah. I feel like the imagination is such a hard <clears throat> thing to foster. Like, I had such a vid- vivid imagination as a child. And then as I got older and I started hanging out with um, other kids and started doing like higher grades in school, like, I stopped reading and I stopped doing all those kinds of things and just kind of lost that, that knack for imagination. Um, And I think it's such an important thing for parents to not necessarily tell their kids, okay, now go and pretend for a while, but like give them tools to do that and, and say, Hey, here's your dress up box or, Hey, let's go to the theater or, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. 
Um, Cause the imagination is such, I, I agree. I think, I think that drag ultimately derives from people who have a very vivid imagination and have a lot of creativity that they don't know how else to express. Correct. And I also want to piggyback off that because it taps into so many different things. Like you have to get your makeup, the hair, the look, but then on top of that, it's then maybe a performance or a photo shoot or something. There are so many pieces that go into this where you really get to develop this whole separate character. It could be an extension of yourself, which some people use drag as an extension of themselves, but you could also make a whole separate character as an escape for yourself. Like yeah. Who says that drag has to be in reference to you? Drag could be a whole different person that you want to create. And I think that's really cool as just like a, a drag entertainer in general. Like you get to really decide what this person's like. You get to decide their personality. Mm -hmm. You get to decide what they look like, how they act. And I think that's really special and more people should like think about it that way. Opposed to like, I'm going to dress up and I'm going to make money at brunch. It's like, no, right. <laughs> who are you? Who's your character? How do you act? How do you speak? Like, what are these things that really develop that persona that you're trying to like exude to people and I think that's why a lot of people a lot of the how do I put this so that I'm not offending people because that's not my intention um <laughs> a lot of the the drag entertainers that have been doing it for a long time when they see young queens just come out and do a dancing number and then they're done I think ultimately that's the that's the friction right there is these are these are people who have had characters that they've played for years and years and years and now there's a space for drag that doesn't necessarily come from that place originally um and it's really hard uh to rectify those two things sometimes like i know i'm a park and bark acting queen and i went <laughs> through my stage of like oh dancing queens can you do anything else while the dancing queens are like are you gonna do something other than a ballad <laughs> like and you're like no i'm not <laughs> no never never ever how dare you <laughs> i fully get it and i think sometimes it just comes from like a lack of understanding um, because I, like I, I say, like I said, I started drag in Miami and that's a very big tourist haven where I could perform Britney or Beyonce or what's that like white lady's name, Lady Gaga, any night of the week and make <laughs> so much money. But that's not, to me, that's not really driving forward my art. That is paying my bills. Mm. And a lot of times, like some of these people who have a different start in drag will look down on that and be like, oh, these girls are just making their money. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to make your coin, make your coin. But if that's, if that's your bit, if that's your gig, do it. Like, I don't feel like there's, well, I don't feel like, and there isn't, there is no correct way to do drag. Mm -hmm. There are wrong ways. There are wrong ways to do drag. But <laughs> there are no, like, correct ways to do drag. <laughs> so I feel like as long as you're not hurting anybody or yourself and you're having fun, that those are the two things that really, really matter. And I think mm -hmm. that, like, should be should be the foundation of everyone's drag like if you're not having fun doing drag why are you doing drag yeah. like <laughs> oh yeah truly oh yeah there are definitely i've seen some queens who um have been like performing for 30 years and they're like oh i have to do this i don't want to be here blah 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 i'm like then why like then go home you yeah you Move. can you can you can sit here and enjoy the show like don't Yes. Don't hold on to the gig because it's all you know. Like you have other things in your life that you're good at. Like now you can be an informed audience member. Like you don't have to always be on stage. 
100%. (laughs) Like, I love drag. I love drag as, like, the spectator. Like, sometimes Mm. when I see a show, like, I see a drag brunch or something, I'm like, I want to go. Yeah. And not as a performer. I want to go to the brunch so I can experience it and get drunk with my friends and see some drag. Like, I love drag. And I don't think a lot of people also, like, as an entertainer, go to try to, like, support other drag. Like, that's something that I really pay attention to. When I see other entertainers at my shows, I'm like, oh, you're here supporting me. And if you're not here supporting me, you're here supporting someone else in this building. And Mm -hmm. I feel like just as a drag entertainer, you're so saturated with drag that you don't need to go out to all the shows. But Mm -hmm. as a fan of drag, going out to the shows you want to go to is a really like nice, not only like networking and marketing tool, but you get to see other types of drag and you get to like have fun with drag, which is the whole point anyway. So I love going to drag shows. I love seeing the like legends from Continental because Continental is in Chicago. So a lot of like former are in Chicago. The trans girls are the ones that I will go up for. I will go see you at the Baton, baby. I will go find you. Um, like, I love, the, I like, the legends. Yeah. And I feel like so many people just don't even understand the, like, the legends that exist just in Chicago that you could be supporting or, like, really oh, yeah. understanding, like, the history of your city or where you, like, where you exist. Oh, my goodness. That just, oh, I... <laughs> Queer history is something that is a very, it's very near and dear to my heart. I, uh, um, when I was living in Seattle, I did so much research on like the movements of the gayberhood and how drag started back in the day when it started. Cause Seattle was one of the like first big drag scenes and it started in the twenties um, with big old cabaret shows at bars that no longer exist in parts of town that are now like disgusting and smell of pee and no one goes to um right as they do yeah and because of that people don't know the history and so then they get really defensive when you challenge things or when you bring in new ideas because they don't know where the scene has come from and so if you try to push it further there's there's no foundation to build it on correct i 100 percent am there with you i understand (laughs) <laughs> um so so I have a question for you um you are um not only a drag queen but you are also a bodybuilder yes um, <laughs> allegedly <laughs> um which in my little bit of experience because I was bodybuilding in 2019 and then it all fell apart in 2020 of course Um, But in my little experience, it's a very masculine sport. It's a very man-driven arena. Um, Yes, lots of men. Lots of men and lots of men who (laughs) I, 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 even at the gym, dress very femily. And so I would like waltz over to the free weights and like pick them up and people would give me funny looks and shit. Um, At least for the first few weeks until they were like, oh, it's this one again. Um, right but so you have these very seemingly dichotomous is that the word that I'm looking for we'll go with it if if I'm making that up it's okay you have these dichotomous (laughs) ideas um how do you 
mesh them together or how do you find that space between them? So I would say just as a human, I like both worlds very much. Like I love being like the sissy in any space. Like I'm just feminine in general. Uh, but then looking at me, if I didn't open my mouth or didn't wear the tiniest clothes you've ever seen, you might <laughs> think that I am a cis passing uh, individual, um, which is like kind of fun in these gym spaces because like I started getting into fitness um, when I moved to Miami, like I was weightlifting and stuff in college because I was a cheerleader. But then it wasn't until I was in Miami where I was like, oh, no one's wearing clothes here. Even like the, the straight boys, everyone's naked. This is fine. And I've kind of like carried that through even just to Chicago now, like where the, the other boys at the gym where I work um, are in crop tops and tiny little shorts. And like that kind of thing is really funny to me <laughs> because I'm like, these are things that are stereotypically like femme or queer or whatever and now it's becoming like the thing where you see a guy in a crop top and you're like oh my god like he must be so forward and so cool but in regards to like the actual physical bodybuilding space in Florida I think because it's so warm and people are used to seeing a lot it, I never had been I never been faced with like anyone being rude to me or anything like that um, which I think was kind of cool because when you're in that competition setting, you're not really talking to people. And then the people who you do talk to just happens like naturally. So every time I've done a show, I always leave with a new friend, whether that be a boy or a girl. But one boy told me, he was like, I've never had anyone like I've known be gay before. But he was like, you're my first like gay friend. And I'm like, you're a grown ass man. That's really weird. Uh, but, but, but I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, but it's like, they're always just so friendly and it's not, anything like you would assume you would assume that in the bodybuilding the actual bodybuilding space that it wouldn't be as welcoming as it is but I would say it's more so the the general like fit lifter the person who's just mm -hmm. at the gym like they finish their nine to five and they're gonna go to the gym and they're just gonna work out like it's it's those people that I tend to get more of like the oh, like you're here again, or like you're wearing no clothes again, <laughs> other than like the bodybuilders who it's like, oh, show your body off, you got it. Or like, you're here working out, I'm here working out, like let's let's lift sets together. Or like, I've never experienced anything within the actual bodybuilding space to feel like homophobic or hmm. like queerphobic in general, which I think is really good. I would say yeah. more so on the other side, the flip side from the queer community, it's more so it's like, oh, you're fit you must be only attracted to other fit people or you look this way, so you must act this way, which is not really the case whatsoever. Uh, but that's just what people assume. And it's one, and then taking a step further, even into drag, when I started drag, oh, you can't do drag because you have all these muscles. It's like, says who? Because I'm going to do drag and I'm going to have mm. my muscles. So like, like, what are you saying to me? <laughs> so <laughs> I would say I had more heat coming from the queer community than I did the bodybuilding community because I know I'm not the first queer bodybuilder to ever exist. Um, just mm -hmm. as I'm not the first muscle queen to ever exist. But I think there are just so many like fake, like red tape around drag where it's like, you have to wear pads, you have to wear nails, you have to wear boobs, you have to have big double stacked hair, you have to do this, do that. And I'm like, these are not real rules. So like trying to uphold people to rules that are not exist that are non-existent is really just bizarre to me. Mm. Um, 
So that's why I'm kind of just like, and I'm not doing anything to try to like breaking down drag barriers. It's like, I'm just going to exist and do what I do. And if these things happen, that's great. But I'm not like pushing forward the muscle queen agenda. Like I'm just like Mm. over here trying to just vibe and like put out art that I'm like happy and comfortable with. Yeah. I mean, so at, at the risk of sounding like the asshole that I am, um, <laughs> Say it. <laughs> um, I up until fairly recently, I was actually, and don't take this the wrong way because we'll we'll be <gasps> afraid of we'll me? move past it. I was very I was intimidated by you. No, I didn't think you were mean. <laughs> I I because of my own insecurities and my own body issues, um, always had these thoughts of like, oh, how dare she be able to do both worlds? Like, how dare she be able to be super fit and like one of the mask guys, but then also get accepted in the drag community. But as I've grown and as I've gotten to see your drag and as I've gotten to see um, what you do and why you do it, it's been so exciting to me to see someone who um, is able to be as authentic as you are. Um, And I think as a, a fat person, saying that to a fit person is difficult because- Well, I, I, yeah. I understand. Just because no, of I, I the, the social the social implications and what people assume, um, like you were right. saying, what people the like stuff that people put on you because you assume, oh well, this person looks this way and this person looks this way, therefore we shouldn't have anything in common. So let's just stay apart. And it's so hard to work our way out of those mental spaces. One hundred percent. 100% because I'm kind of the same way where it's like even with the, the straight boys at the gym who wear the crop tops I'm like mm-hmm. oh like yeah we're, we're all wearing crop tops but I don't know if you're down for what I'm down for <laughs> like, I, don't know if you're, like, I don't know if you are just wearing the crop top because you think it's cute yeah. or like if you're down for the gays like what's like what's really going on but I don't I try especially because like so many people have made assumptions about me I try not to enter any space with an assumption of anybody else. Mm-hmm. But then also like that is how I end up like being a dumb bitch in a lot of situations. Cause like, even, <laughs> if, even if someone, even if someone's like, well, this person's done this to me and this bad thing happened to me. I'm always like, well, that could have happened to you but I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt cause I don't know you. And I'm not gonna try yeah. to like, like enter this experience or this space based on someone else's experience with said individual. Mm-hmm. So. Sometimes that does turn around and bite me in the ass, but I would say overall, like just, I think it was more so because I had to do this to myself. I had to be like, why do I have these insecurities and why am I projecting them onto other people? And Mm. instead it's like, okay, I just need to be comfortable in owning who I am. So then that comfortability should hopefully make others comfortable around me. Like if I can, if I'm like normal, (laughs) like, comfortable hopefully like that vibe can go back and forth versus like people just because same thing like it's easy to be intimidated by people like I'm intimidated by Mm -hmm. so many people but I that's a mental thing that happens when you're like when it's just out of not knowing who that other person is Mm -hmm. oh absolutely um do you mind if we go a little deeper for a second um let's go (laughs) so I, 
being on a life journey, just like everyone else, have begun to learn that I that fat people are not the only people with body issues. Um, yes, correct. <laughs> Very much correct. <laughs> and it's weird to me to think about that because we're all kind of in our own heads and we all think, oh, I'm the only one with these issues. Um, right. <laughs> and so opening up to other people having those issues is always a very difficult thing. But I was wondering if maybe you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about that side of things for you. Yeah, so part of why I actually got into bodybuilding and like lifting in general is because I did have an eating disorder when I was younger and I was like so thin and frail. And part of my way to like work out of that was by switching it the other way. It's like, okay, bodybuilding is about how big can you get? Mm. And I'm like, okay, that was like more of a mental thing for me to be like, okay, I have to do something that's going to force me to no longer like be in that mindset where I have to be like as thin as possible. Cause I was like unhealthy and I was unhappy and I was lethargic and it was just like very obviously bad. But mm. now it's like, it's like talking myself in between like two different worlds. Cause it's like, yes, bodybuilder, go to the gym, eat all these things, get bigger, get strong. But then when you get in competition mode, all you're doing is like looking at yourself in the mirror. Your coach is there telling you like, oh, you need to do more cardio. You have to do this, you have to do that. And then you're looking at yourself and you look great to you and you look great to the rest of the world. But then you're hearing from the judges or your coaches or just your own mm -hmm. self mentally where you're like, I'm not good enough. Because what you're doing in these bodybuilding competitions is you're taking very fit people and like judging objectively or like, no, not even objectively, subjectively looking at them and being like, who is the most sh like shredded person on stage? And like, it doesn't matter how fit you might feel or how like, I don't know, it's no matter like how great you might feel coming into these competitions, there might be someone who comes in a little better. And I think what has really helped me is to realize that yes, I'm competing against all these other people, but I'm mainly competing against myself. Mm. So if I can put the photo from last year next to the photo this year, I should be able to see that like in that year, I have made some progress towards what my idea is because it was going down that slope like that first time I competed and I did okay for my first show but I'm like damn why didn't I win am I not big enough am I not lean enough am I not this am I not that and it's like okay in reality in the world yes I am enough of all these things like every single person who's existing on this planet is enough of whatever they want to be in this mm. specific space that I have paid money to enter into <laughs> to be judged by these strangers maybe I wasn't enough but that's kind of what made me like step back and be like yo why am I doing bodybuilding and it was just to push myself and to have fun so going into the next competition I was like I'm gonna have fun like I'm gonna meet people I'm gonna have fun and I'm competing against myself whatever happens on stage happens on stage but like it's more of a personal thing that I feel like a lot of people don't think of as far as just like your life journey, but also just in reference to bodybuilding. Because for me, it's like, yes, I obviously have insecurities sometimes where I'm like, wow, last year I was so thin or like last year I was so ripped or like whatever. And it's like, yeah, we just came out of a fucking pandemic. Like <laughs> no one's, no one's doing that great. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, you have to be like, am I healthy? Am I happy? 
am like do I have the mm-hmm. things that are going to like allow me to live the way I want to live like the rest of this shit does not matter like how lean or how fit or whatever you are like does not matter are you a good person are you happy are you healthy so that's like where I kind of have to like always talk myself down I'm like when I start getting in these like spiraling downward I'm like okay 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 yes I I have a dog I have a boyfriend I have a job I am okay (laughs) everything is fine like everything is really gonna be okay and I feel like if more people thought that way it might help us just all mentally Mm. because a lot of times once again you look at it's not that you're looking at yourself and you're unhappy it's that this is what I do to myself. I look at myself and then compare myself to other people. It's not that I'm looking at myself and being like, damn, I could do this. It's like, well, I could do this because this person is doing this when Mm -hmm. I need to mind my own business, which is another (laughs) problem that I have because I never mind my own damn business. So yeah, yes. Insecurities happen on every level, just like whether that's through your body or your art or like work, Mm -hmm. but it's more so just the insecurity coming from yourself. And that's something that I'd like work through daily and I'm going to probably work through until I die in some, in some shape or form. Uh, But it's more so shifting that idea and being like, okay, well, am I happy? Am I healthy? Am I content in what I'm doing and making sure you're good? Yeah. Well, in in one of the articles uh, that I read about you, you said that um, bodybuilding is drag for straight people. And I think, this is one of those places where it really is like both drag and bodybuilding are so body centric like I don't think we ever think about how physicality is a part of drag and how so much and I mean we pad to look a specific way but we don't think about (laughs) what that is we don't think about oh I'm changing my shape because I think my shape isn't right or like, yes, and that's yes, 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 one hundred percent. It's it's such a strange, it's such a strange part of drag to me because, like, when I get into drag, I throw on a corset and a bra, and that's it because I have enough padding to go around anyway. Period. And then, and, but as I started drag, I found myself having difficulty being happy with other people not doing that. And okay, and realizing how body insecurities are still a part of drag. Yes, one hundred thousand percent. And there's there's a queen, um, Danica Bonet. She is the body. Oh my god, I love like, Danica. Same, same. And I would see her perform at Charlie's when I first moved to Chicago. And her whole thing, she was like, I am not padding and I'm not wearing a tight. I am going to let my body out and I'm going to, and you will eat it up and you will eat it <laughs> up. And I sat my ass down and I ate it up. And seeing mm-hmm. people like Danica out there, just like doing whatever she wanted, but being so vocal and verbal about it. Like, like for me, I'm not... I'm not out there being like, I'm not wearing titties because I don't want to wear titties. But Danica mm-hmm. is like, I'm not wearing, t- like verbally telling the audience, like I'm not doing this because I don't want to and you don't have to. Which I think is something that people need to hear more often and not just drag entertainers, but the people who enjoy drag. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people attach themselves to the type of drag that they they saw first. And they think that is 
that's the type of drag, the only type of drag that exists, and that's the only type of drag that is correct. Mm-hmm. And I've said this before, it's like, there's no right way to do drag. So like, if you don't want to pad, bitch, don't pad. <laughs> like, I, I just, I just, like, I've been a padded girl for the last, what, three, four years. And I just did a photo shoot with no pads on. And I was like, who am I? Like, what, like <laughs> what's going on? Like, what's going on in my mind in which I am now comfortable enough mm. to, like, do a whole photo shoot with no pads on? And I feel like it might not be just, like, a comfort thing for a lot of people. But for me, it's, like, I find security in my body like I'm gonna be that like that padded boobied curvy person but then it's like oh if I take away my pads like am I still the same person yes I Mm. am because like the the person isn't the pads the person's not the padding the person's not the body like yes that is part of my brand but like there's so much more to me than that and I feel like there's so much more to every entertainer than that so if anyone is listening to this in the in the space and you're not feeling secure in your body, do whatever you want. <laughs> that's that's what I will tell everyone. Yeah. Do whatever the hell you want. Oh, <laughs> uh, I echo that. I echo that so 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 much. Um, possibly hard question to answer, but hopefully not. Um, how do out. you keep yourself motivated? Listen, I'm a narcissist. <laughs> I am a narcissist and I love seeing myself everywhere. <laughs> like, if, and I think that's, that's like the smallest tip of the iceberg. But the other thing is that I really like having affirmations from people who like I hold close to me. So hearing like my boyfriend tell me that I look sickening or like he's really proud of me or he'll come to like a show and just like see him gagging. I'm like, this is this is it like this is the affirmation mm-hmm. I need like I don't need y'all's money seeing my man over here happy seeing me like as a cross dresser is great <laughs> also hearing the affirmations from my like family is really nice um like if I send my mom a picture of me in drag or she like follows me on Instagram and she's like oh you looked really good like hearing those things is like is enough um and then sometimes like you know shit gets rough like you start like getting down on yourself or like you just aren't having a good day or something and sometimes like the people out there who support you do a lot without even like realizing what they're doing for you like sometimes like people will be like hey Toto I hope you're having a good day and I'm like I wasn't having a great day but you just told me I I think like I'm now gonna have a good day and it's the little things like that like I don't I don't think like as far as motivation like it's not it is self-motivation, but hearing things like affirmations from my parents that they're proud of me, that like I that I was able to go to Miami, come out like my mom. The moment I realized that my mom was like, "Oh, this drag thing is gonna work out," is when I got Miami's Best Drag Queen in 2018, and it was like in the newspaper and it was all over the internet. And my mom was like, "Wow, maybe this drag thing's not that bad for you." So after that <laughs> moment, I'm like, "Okay, if my parents are proud." I can keep doing this and keep them proud of me because the other stuff I do in my life, I would just say is like very normal. Like how many parents have kids that do drag that yeah. they're proud of, you know, <laughs> you know? So I would say <laughs> affirmations from my family, my boyfriend, and like, you know, the people who support you, you never know who's out there who you like might support you or you might be like changing their life. Like mm. you never know 
what person you could come in contact with that could also change yours. So it's having that mindset of like keeping an open mind and making my family proud keeps me going. (laughs) I like that. I like that. I think it's so easy in the social media age to get down on ourselves and to see the negative comments and and kind of get blinded blinded (laughs) to the good stuff. Um, Yes. So it's good to remind yourself that there are positive things. (laughs) Yes. And the thing is like, and everyone's told me this. So many people have told me this. And it's like, it doesn't matter, which I feel this as well. It doesn't matter how many good comments or good affirmations you get online. One negative one could really just throw your whole day Mm -hmm. off. And people always are like, well, don't read the comments. Don't go on Reddit. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I know it's correct. I know not to get on Reddit. (laughs) I know not to read the comments. But what do I do? I go to the YouTube video of the bodybuilder drag queen. And I read the comments of these homophobes being mean to me. And it doesn't matter all the good and nice things that people say. But I read the mean ones. And I'm like, oh, my God, maybe I should quit drag. Wow, maybe I should quit (laughs) bodybuilding. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it's like, then you have to kind of take a step back and be like, okay. All these people are saying really nice things to you. And also, you're probably never going to meet them ever in your life, ever. So why would you let these random strangers who have lots of time on their hands to comment about your life have an effect on how your day is going to go? Yeah. Well, and that's that's something that I've also struggled with for a long time is the, the, the willingness to look at bad comments um right and to to dwell (laughs) on on the negative to the point where I've I'm kind of infamous for blocking people on social media and it's and it's not necessarily that I think they're terrible people and it's not necessarily that I hate them or or want ill for them it's because I'll see something negative about me on their page or I'll see something negative that someone else wrote on their page about me and so I just, I block the person for a while because I just need to not have the chance to look at it. That is, I feel like I do something similar. I'm a, I'm a big mute girl. I will mute your page. Mm. If it's not, even if we're friends and you are just like doing way too much, I'm like, I don't need to unfollow. I don't need to block. I will mute you so you're no longer in my mental oh, space. And that I is... See, I've tried that. <laughs> block them, girl. I'm, I'm one of those people that I will still... I'll know that comment is there and I'll just go search them anyway just to stare at that comment. So I have to just get rid of it. Get rid of the option to look at it. Good. If it works for you, it works for you. And I, su- and, and I support you blocking them. Blocking is free. <laughs> if someone is making you upset, block them. Like, and I know for a fact that there are people out there that are like, oh, she just likes blocking the people that criticize her. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I yes. do. I really do. <laughs> Sometimes you need that for your sanity. thousand <laughs> percent. Especially if it's unwarranted criticism. If mm. I didn't ask for your critique, I'm not asking to receive it. So if you're just going to say some like mean stuff to me for the sake of you to feel better, I will excavate you. So whether that be blocking or muting, yeah. it's for my mental health, not yours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. cha- changing the direction real fast. Um, I did notice on your Instagram story today, you posted something really cool that you are doing. Um, you are doing a self. Uh, I wrote it down. 
self-defense. What is that? What am I doing? Self-defense series. Yeah. The trans self-defense series. It would help if I could remember how to speak on a podcast. Help if I remembered my schedule. But it is with Molasses Chicago. They are a black and brown trans-led organization um in chicago so they have been all about arming the dolls like Mm. self-defense kits self-defense series like really teaching these people like in our community how to defend themselves and giving them the tools and means to do so so this um i'm doing the strength portion there i believe someone is doing like the the actual like self-defense like combat situation Mm -hmm. type thing that's not my wheelhouse i'm more about strength um and i did one with them few months ago uh, but I also used to do them in Miami and my class was called LGBTQ plus which was legs glutes tries buys quads plus everything else and it was a free fitness class for queer people um, so now like and I've been friends with Lucy forever and she knew that I was doing these classes so once I moved to Miami kind of got involved that way so that is going to be this Saturday um, and it look it's like it looks like people are receiving it really well um and if there's anything that I can do for trans people in general, for them to feel more safe and secure, like mm. going out and doing these things so they feel ready and equipped because like just in general, just being a trans person is not safe. And then being a black trans person is very not safe. So we need to have the dolls armed and we need to yeah. have people ready for when oh, yeah. things could go wrong, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm super excited about that. And I just get to like, and Lucy is always going to be there and my other friend Zola. Um, so I'm just really happy and hyped to like be able to kind of give back to the community because I have this knowledge. So why not mm-hmm. utilize it for my community? I love that. I have been an advocate of arming queers for so long. <laughs> Arm us. Arm the dolls. <laughs> um, the Speaking of history, Seattle back in the, I think it was in the 70s, had a queer like paramilitary group um i need it i should <laughs> i need more of it Should know their name i don't remember but the, it was something like the pink berets or something like that and they walked around cool. with a pink beret and they they didn't have like guns and things but they were like really well trained in martial arts and like would just patrol the neighborhood making sure people were safe and i'm like we need to do this <laughs> bring them back and we need pink berets in every city Let's get bow staffs to them. Let's get all of these things that are like good self-defense weapons. Let's get some like good armor going. Like, let's do this. <laughs> like, I really support it because it's like dangerous out here. Not just like, yeah, like it's, da- well, first off, it's dangerous in Chicago anyway. But then adding on the fact that you're queer, it's like just sometimes I feel like I'm a target. Like this one lady, I was walking my dog at night and I was in drag because I'd just come back from a gig and I was texting and this lady was like, hey, she was driving and she slowed up and she was like, hey, I just want to let you know, first off, you look really good, but I would like you to look up because you just out here as mm-hmm. you are, you you are an easy target. So she's like, yeah. please just like look up from your phone and be vigilant. And I was like, thank you. But I never really thought of it that way. And I was like, damn, I really out, I'm really out here just with my dog. Like I was really out in front of my apartment. I was like, damn. I really am just an easy target if someone wanted to like do anything. Yeah. So I was, so just little things like that, like not looking at your phone as you're like walking at night or like just being aware of your surroundings, like little things like that can really make a big difference. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I always grew up thinking, oh, I'm a big guy. No one's going to do like try to go after me, whatever. But now that I'm like really femme presenting, like all of the time, like I walk with a little bit of a swish. Like, uh-huh. Right. I, I, it's always on my mind. And like during the day, sure. I'll walk around with both headphones in and I'll be fine at night. I will always have right. my keys between my knuckles. I'll have one headphone out. Like it's, it's crazy to think that we still have to be that vigilant and we still have to be that aware of our surroundings simply because we're queer. And I mean, I'm a white guy saying this. And if a white guy saying this, like how much worse is it for worse. literally bad. everyone else? Yeah. Bad. It's bad. But that's why also like traveling in groups, I always like encourage people to travel in groups or if I'm mm. with another one of my like trans women friends or trans friends, I'm like, we're going to make sure like you get home. Like, or yeah. one of those things where if you're, even if you're driving, text me when you get home. Like things like that are so simple that I feel like if people implemented more, we'd be a little safer. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that we have to think in that way and put the impetus on the people who are the victims to do something. But right. until but until the world starts actually cr- disciplining those who are the aggressors, we have to arm ourselves somehow. Yes, one hundred thousand percent. So I mean, if you're in Chicago, look at molasses and yes. come to the self defense. Yeah, and that info will be in the um, description box as well for people. But yeah, I used to do things like I would when I I used to work at Goodwill and I had to walk before it was even like light out to get to work. Um, And so just in case I like walked past any women or anything, because I'm a big old guy. And at that point I still was fairly masculine presenting. I would always wear like a rainbow wristband or something like that. Okay, right. Swish it up as I like walked past gals. So I could be like, don't worry, you're safe. (laughs) No, I'm the same way. I'm like, how do I let this person know that I am not going to attack them which is a, <laughs> another sad thing it's like why, why like I'm just really walking here and now you're scared and I'm like yeah. but why are you scared by my presence and then if they turn around and they see I'm wearing like the tiniest shorts known to man yeah. like, oh, <laughs> it's a gay one I'm good <laughs> like this one's not it's gonna a, get me I don't have to worry about the fairies <laughs> right at all um well thank you for talking with me today um, where course. can people find you online? Listen, you can find me on Instagram at the Miss Toto, T-H-E-M-I-S-S-T-O-T-O. My Twitter is still deleted, um, but that is, <laughs> I'm on a, I'm on a separate account. That one's the Miss Toto, that's, <laughs> that is T-H-E-E-M-I-S-S-T-O-T-O. Um, really that's it. If you're in Chicago, I really only have performed like at two places. So like, there are few and far between. So if you just follow my social media, you'll see where I'm at. Um, and feel free to like message me because I will respond. <laughs> I respond <laughs> to everybody. I respond to everybody. If you ever have a question or like want feedback or anything, like just to talk, like I, I DM everybody back. Like I have a lot of free time on my hands. I really don't, but I have a lot of ADHD. So if I see a message that that button needs to go away so I will open it and I will respond because I oh, have to yeah I feel that I feel that as soon as I see I a notification to. if I like 
if I'm about to fall asleep and I see a notification come in, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it has to be gone. So yes, please feel free to follow me on anything and talk to me, interact with me. I love like talking to people and meeting new people because I mean, I feel like that's the good thing about social media now is you can connect with so many people from literally all over the world. Um, just at the touch of your fingertips. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. Yeah. And um, yeah. we will talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Yeah But with Vivian Gabor. Tune in next week. Same place, same time. Yeah.